Well, grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. We continue our sermon series today, uh, Back to the Basics, uh, talking about another foundational part of our theology, uh, Sola Scriptura, the thing on the banner up there, Scripture alone, in other words. So we've been talking for the last three weeks about kind of what we believe. Now the question changes just a little bit, and, and it turns into how do we know what we know about the Christian faith? We're talking about the source today. And how do we know what we know is a really good question. In fact, in many ways, it was the question that in the 1500s, Luther was trying to answer. And it was a question he was trying to answer, especially when he said, sola scriptura, scripture alone. Because he was in a debate for the heart of the Christian faith. But what he was actually talking about, uh, that was kind of how it fit into the context, but what he was actually talking about was a much deeper question. And the deeper question is, how does God speak to us? The answer is the one we're looking at today, Scripture, Scripture alone. And so, as we talk about this amazing gift of God in Scripture, we're going to look at three things. We're going to look at, 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 first of all, why it's written, as opposed to it could have been given in a lot of different ways. So why it's written, what it shows you about yourself, and how it changes you. Why it's written, what it shows you about yourself, how it changes you. Uh, God gives us a really great thing in the written word in the fact that it's written down. And here's what I mean. God, God, again, could have chosen to give his word in any number of different ways. Uh, So, in fact, throughout the Old Testament, what he often does is he speaks through the prophets. But ultimately, he has many of those prophets write down the word of God, and that's a great blessing. In fact, the book of Jeremiah, of course, the Old Testament reading for today, is an example of the prophet writing down the stuff. And in fact, It's also an example of why it's so important that we have the written word. The story that goes behind our Old Testament reading is kind of a long story. It's about a chapter and a half, so we don't read the whole thing uh, in in service this morning. But what's going on is you've got Jeremiah and you've got Hananiah, and they're both prophets, and they're both claiming to speak from God. They're both saying that God has spoken to them, and they're both given a message. The problem is what they're saying is very, very different. In fact, it's almost exactly the opposite. Hananiah is saying, we're going into exile, but don't worry about it. It's only going to be about two years, and God's going to bring us back. Jeremiah says, it's going to be way, way longer than that. So what do you do? I mean, if you're an Israelite and you're listening to these guys talk, what do you do? It's two guys who are prophets, two guys who claim that they hear from God. What do you do? What was up to the individual Israelites, who they would believe, who was right and who was wrong. And the thing is, for two years, they wouldn't really know if they were right or not. Because they didn't know until their prophecy was either verified or not that Hananiah gave. The written word gives us something to hang on to. It gives us something to verify. And that's what Luther meant by sola scriptura, by scripture alone. He, he, he meant that scripture and only scripture is the source and norm of truth. It's how we know if what somebody is saying is consistent with the Word of God because you just go back to the Word of God and check it out. Now, in the Lutheran Church, we have a couple other things that we look at, too. We have what we call our confessions. Uh, The catechism is probably one that you know pretty well. They're writings about Scripture. We don't put them on the same level as Scripture, but they're writings about Scripture. And what we say about them is, yeah, these things get it right. These things say what the Bible says. 
And so just like Luther, you know, he looked at all kinds of different authorities, all kinds of different people who had written about the Bible. And just like him, we can look at these things, but we can know that Scripture is always the ultimate authority. It's always the ultimate authority. And, and that's one reason why the written word is such an important thing, such a blessing for us to have from God. That's the theology stuff, but there's something very personal, too, about having the written word. Think for a minute with me about the 23rd Psalm, the words of the 23rd Psalm. Hopefully you've memorized that at one point or another. I've been telling you to for long enough. So if you haven't done it yet, memorize the 23rd Psalm. You've got a holiday coming up. Use the holiday. Memorize the 23rd Psalm. In the, uh, this little commentary on the Psalms by a guy named Derek Kidner, uh, he has some really in- insightful things to say. And one thing that he says about these words of the 23rd Psalm is, is that the beauty of these words is that they, they carry us, their, their familiarity carries us through different places, different times in our lives. So when we say, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me, that means different things at different points in our life. The shadow looks different at different times. Sometimes it may look like a health diagnosis. Sometimes it might look like a relationship problem. Sometimes it might look like financial difficulty. The darkness is different at different times, but Psalm 23's words don't change. They stay with us. They stay consistent, and they address this darkness, this valley, this issue that you're going through in your life. Isaiah says the word of the Lord endures forever, and that's the beauty and the power of the written word, that the the written word doesn't change, even if our circumstances do. That's the one thing that doesn't move. And the other thing is that this insight by Derek Kidner, the fact that we have books written about the books of the Bible, is another real blessing. Because it shows us something about how we're supposed to use the written word. The written word is always supposed to be read as part of a community of faith. And I hear people from time to time say, uh, you know, I read my Bible every day, Pastor, and they usually tell me that as a reason for not coming to church, as a reason for not being here. And it's not a bad thing to read your Bible. We all should read our Bible every day. That's a very good thing. But God's word is meant to be read and, and talked about and chewed on and thought about in community, it's meant to be discussed by, with other Christians. It's meant to be poured over together as the people of God. And here's why. See, hearing what Derek Kidner says about the Psalms or hearing what Martin Luther says about the Psalms, it's helpful to us because it helps us understand the Psalms better. Me hearing you talk about what a psalm means or what a psalm means to you or how it's applied to your side, your life is helpful because it helps me understand the psalms better. It helps God's words sink in better. It's meant to be read in community. It's always been meant to be read in community. And the other blessing is reading in community allows us to do things like build each other up and help each other and correct each other and challenge each other as Christians. And so here's the second point. What God's Word shows you about yourself. Here's the second point. God's Word does all that stuff all the time. Helps us, encourages us, but also challenges us. Also corrects us. And we see what, that, that this is what Paul is talking about in Romans chapter 7. In our epistle reading for today, he's saying an awful lot 
about God's law. He doesn't say much about the gospel, and we'll get to that. But he's saying an awful lot about God's law. Now, as Lutherans, we believe that the, the Word of God basically has two main messages in it. What it's saying to you is almost always one of two things. One is the law. And that's what Paul is getting at in Romans chapter 7. <clears throat> the law is all about sin. It's all about reading us and showing us exactly who we are. A lot of times, and you may have heard this before, but a lot of times as Lutherans, we'll, we'll compare the law to a mirror. So when Jesus says, for, and here's, so here's how that works. When Jesus says, he's talking about the fifth commandment, thou shalt not kill. And when Jesus says, uh, if you're angry and you hate your brother in your heart, well, then you've killed somebody already. That's a hard teaching. It's a difficult thing. And what it makes me do is look back at myself. It's like when you go past the speed limit sign and you see the, the law right there, right? The speed limit is 65. The first thing you do is you look down at your speedometer, especially if there's a police officer sitting right by the speed limit sign. You look down at your speedometer because the law makes you reflect on yourself. Jesus' commands make us reflect on ourselves, makes us take a hard look at ourselves. In fact, Paul says this in Romans 7. This is verse 7. Here's what he says. Yet if it had not been for the law... I would not have known sin, for I would not have known what it is to covet if the law had not said, you shall not covet. See what Paul's getting at here? He says the law of God does something to him. It changes him. The law of God makes him aware of something inside himself. The thing about the Bible is it's really, really honest. God's word is... is <laughs> God's word is a lot like the friend who tells you that you've got salad in your teeth. That's a good friend. You know why they do that? They do that because, you know, they see something about you that you don't see about yourself. They do that because they care about you. They do that because they love you. And God's word does that too. It shows us something that as sinful people, we often can't see about ourselves. As sinful people, we don't realize all the ways that we fall short of God's law, but God, and, and the Word of God, and the law of God, it always shows us the lettuce in our teeth. It always shows us the ways that we fall short. It always shows us for who we are. It lets us know that we're sinners. And that's the law part, but that's actually not all it does. See, Paul goes on from verse 7, and he says something else, something uh, that, that's a little bit confusing when you read it at first. This is verse 8. But sin, seizing an opportunity through the commandment, produced in me all kinds of covetousness. Sin seized an opportunity and produced in me all kinds of covetousness. Now, Paul is telling us something not so much about God and not even so much about the Word of God, but something about ourselves here. The law is there to show us what is good and what is right, but what happens as a result of the law showing us that is we tend to run in exactly the opposite direction. We tend to run straight toward whatever it is is forbidden. Paul uses his own example. He says, look, when the, when the law says don't covet, I started coveting all the more because I was told I couldn't. That's sinful nature. And that's something that God's Word shows us about ourselves and even does to us. Paul's saying basically that your sinful nature is kind of like this. Most of you know that, that I've got four kids, and my two youngest kids are, are one and three. And when you have young kids, 
uh, you learn an awful lot about sinful nature and about human nature in general uh, because they're not as good at hiding it as we are. Uh, so we've got like a million toys in the parsonage, in the, in the living room of the parsonage. They're all over the place in there. And, and my two little kids, Ezra and Sophia, they can be in the living room and playing nicely with whatever toy they've picked to play. And uh, all I have to do to shake things up, all I have to do is go in and pick out whatever toy I want to, maybe one that they haven't played with in six months, and say, hey guys, check out this toy. You can't have this. Set it on the bookshelf, and they will drop whatever they're doing, and they want that toy and nothing else other than that toy. In fact, they'll think, I've never wanted anything more than I've wanted that toy. That's sinful nature. That's sinful nature. We run toward what is forbidden. We run toward the things that we can't have. That's our sinful nature saying, you can't tell me what to do. And it's the same sinful nature that separates us from God. It's the same sinful nature that's capable of all kinds of evil. And when you really read Paul's words, the only conclusion that you can come to is that you can't do it. You can't do what God demands. You can't do what God expects. You can't measure up to, what, to his holiness, his righteousness. That's what God shows us about ourselves. But here's the thing, <clears throat> and, and hear this part, because what often happens in church is people hear all that stuff, all the sinner sinful stuff, and, and they kind of stop there. But God's word is never, ever, 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 ever meant to leave you there. The law is always meant to lead to the other message. In fact, the main message, the most important message of Scripture, and that's the gospel. The gospel message is the, God, is the message that shows us our Savior and shows us our salvation, shows us how much we are loved, shows us whose we are and who we belong to. It shows us that God so loved the world, that God so loved you individually, that he sent Jesus to die in your place. Paul doesn't talk a whole lot about the gospel in our reading for this morning, but he says it really beautifully in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. Here's what he says. For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Jesus was made to be sin so that you could be made to be righteous. And many of us, probably most of us, have heard the gospel for years. You've heard that message for years. Maybe you've heard that verse for years. But you can hear the gospel for years, and it can never really sink in. And when it does, when, when it sinks in, when it, when it gets here and when it gets here, when you get it, the gospel changes everything. And that's our last thing for this morning, how God's word changes you. In fact, for a good example of this, you don't have to look any farther than Martin Luther. Uh, Luther even wrote down a, a description of the moment that he finally got it. He wrote this a little bit before he died, and here's what he says. I'll read you kind of parts of it. But I, blameless monk that I was, felt that before God I was a sinner with an extremely troubled conscience. I couldn't be sure that God was appeased by my satisfaction. In other words, he's in that law place, right? He's in the place where he never felt like he could possibly measure up. And he always felt like God was ready to just squash him at, every chance, at, at any chance that he got. And so here's what he said. Listen to these, these strong words. 
I did not love, no, rather, I hated the righteous God who punishes sinners. Strong words from Luther. But he goes on to talk about the moment that he kind of gets the gospel. And here's what he says. I meditated day and night on the words of Paul from Romans 1 until at last, by the mercy of God, I paid attention to their context. The righteousness of God is revealed in it. As it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. I began to understand that this verse meant the righteousness of God is revealed through the gospel, but it's a passive righteousness. It's a righteousness by which the merciful God makes us righteous. All at once I felt like I'd been born again and had entered into paradise itself through the open gates. Immediately I saw the whole of Scripture in a different light. I ran through the Scriptures from memory and found that other, ter- other terms had the same meaning. The work of God, that is the work that God does in us. The power of God is the power by which God makes us powerful. The wisdom of God is the wisdom by which he makes us wise. And the strength of God and the salvation of God and the glory of God, all stuff Luther said, those things are for us. See, for Luther, the gospel changed everything. The gospel changed how he looked at God. It changed how he looked at Scripture. It changed how he looked at his life. It changed how he looked at himself. It changed him. It changed everything. And it made him understand how God looked at him. It made him understand that because of his faith, God didn't see his sin. But when God looked at him, he saw Jesus' righteousness. It made him understand that righteousness was not something you had to, he had to achieve, but it was a gift. It was a gift. And because of the written word of God, because of Scripture and Scripture alone, and because of the Holy Spirit who works through Scripture in his heart and in your heart, Luther's life was changed. That same message is true for us. That same gospel is true for us. That same love of God, that same gospel truth is true in our life. And by the way, the love of God and the truth of the gospel is there regardless of how much we internalize it. Whether we internalize it here and here an awful lot or not very much at all, God's love and God's gospel is there. But I'll tell you this, the more you get it, the more time you spend in it, the more you get it, the more it sinks in, the more that you are changed. You may not start a reformation like Luther did, but the more you get get the gospel, the more your life is different, and the more your life is better. That's how God works. And that's why the Word of God is such an amazing blessing. In our lives, it probably looks a little bit more like this. There was this pastor in Virginia, rural Virginia, a number of years ago, and uh, one of the members of his church, we'll call her Marie, was a single mother. She had about five kids from about five different guys. And, uh, you know, rural Virginia is Bible Belt country. It was one of those towns where there's like a bar and a church and pretty much nothing else. It's one of those towns where everybody's in the church, everybody knows everybody else's business. And this woman in this small town, because of her life, she had to put up with an awful lot of shame and an awful lot of jabs and an awful lot of the kind of passive insults that you would endure for something like this, often, unfortunately, at the hands of church people. And she knew God's law. You know, she read her Bible. She knew that she'd broken the sixth commandment. She knew what scripture said about the way that she was living. And unfortunately, she also knew that the people around her were never going to let her forget it. And so at one point, Marie met with her pastor. And of course, 
this is what they talked about. You know, she told her pastor all this stuff. She told him she, she knew she was a sinner, and she told him how hard it was to live in that town, how hard it was to live with herself, how hard it was feeling unloved all the time. And what the pastor did was he gave her the gospel. He said, Marie, you're forgiven because of Jesus. And you know what that means? It means that God doesn't love you any less right now than he will after the resurrection when you are perfect. God doesn't love you any less right now than he will in the new creation when when you're going to shine like a star, when people are going to need sunglasses just to look at you. And what happened was this. The people around Marie didn't really change, unfortunately. But she did. She was different. She was changed by God's word, by the gospel. You know, even when her life was hard, even when she had to put up with all the stuff she had to put up with, she knew that there was a joy there that could not be stamped out by the people around her because she knew how deeply that she was loved. That's what scripture tells you. That's the gospel. That no matter who you are and no matter what you've done and no matter what is in your past or your present or your future, you are loved. That's the gospel, that God loves you no less today than he will in the resurrection when you are perfect. That God loves you no less today than he will in the resurrection because Jesus died and rose for you. That's the gospel. That's what scripture tells you, and that's what changes everything. Amen. And now may the peace of God that passes all understanding guard our hearts and our minds, keeping them steadfast in Christ Jesus.